Hey, welcome to the Knowles 24-7 Podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. Joining me as always, Chris Nee. I don't know why I introduce it like this now, because it's just you and I now. So say hi. Sadly. Oh. May right. Bob rest in peace. All up in our feelings. Um, but hey, guys, welcome. We are going to recap what we've learned so far this spring. This is going to be kind of a freewheeling, freelancing, I don't know, not a whole lot of structure to this. Not that there's usually a lot of structure, but uh, it's going to be a platform for Chris and I to kind of share what we've learned and, and kind of our thoughts and observations through spring. We're a couple days away from the spring game now. Uh, Florida State's had two scrimmages, one segmented one and one full, uh, you know, full-on uh, scrimmage that was beyond just situational. So we've had enough uh, insight to, to where we, what we've heard from different sources and whatnot, what, what we can kind of gauge from the program. Um, especially last scrimmage, there was about 200 co- uh, high school coaches or JUCO coaches or you know, youth football coaches. So there's a lot of different uh, stuff out there right now that we can take away from the scrimmage. But I think before we go to the scrimmage, just Chris, general thoughts on the spring themes that you've noticed uh, that we've seen from when the first practice that we were out there for and able to see the whole thing till till now through 12 practices. It's about teaching. I think we've hit on that point before in previous podcasts. Mm-hmm. It's about competitiveness, which is certainly still being driven. I mean, we're still seeing the Oklahoma drills. We're still just seeing general competitiveness. Coaches pushing for guys to get after it, to stay after it, to bring the same fervor to a practice today as they did day one of mm-hmm. the spring. Um, I think the other thing is still tempo. It's still being driven. You know, get out of the drill fast is something that Odell Higgins was yelling at defensive linemen today. You know, finish the drill, finish it fast, do things quickly. You know, they haven't kind of relaxed – 12 days into this whole thing. They're still doing what they kind of set out to do from the get-go. Are they the sharpest bunch? No. I mean, there's plenty of inefficiencies out there on the football field. There's plenty of places where they're going to have some struggles, especially in the spring. Mm -hmm. But in general, I think they're getting what they really set out to have this spring, which was a competitive atmosphere where some guys would bubble up to the top and kind of prove they were ready to go do some things. And for them to the players to grasp what the coaches are demanding of them, mm-hmm. not necessarily mastering it, but at least having an idea, understanding the concepts and the way they're going to go about doing things offensive, de- offensively, defensively, special teams. You mentioned the energy, and I do think it's fair to note like it hasn't been the same every single day. This isn't that it's always up there, but the coaches are always pushing for it. That's something that's on their radar. I think that's important to note is, yeah, this isn't every single day, just guys flying around. They're having to kind of, like you said, Odell was doing it today. Uh, I've seen Greg Fry kind of getting into the office alignment, telling them to pick things up. Uh, you, you can tell that it's not an everyday thing, and to get that out of players is, is difficult. It is a grind. We're 12 days into this. Yeah, but um, I, don't, I don't feel like there's been a drastic drop-off either. I no, don't correct. Feel like, I don't feel like we've watched guys come in that just looked like they were dreading having to practice that day. Practice. Guys still look like they're enjoying it. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of your body at some point starts to get a little tired, mm-hmm. and I think you're seeing some of that 12 days into it. And they're also looking towards the weekend with the culmination with the spring game, and there's excitement there. I think the draft that they had on uh, – Saturday, Saturday evening mm-hmm. kind of brought about a lot of excitement about what they're doing next Saturday night. But it's clear that, you know, the coaches aren't going to let up with demanding that guys kind of bring a consistency to what they're doing every day. They want them to be the same on day 13 of spring as they were on day one or two. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's it's almost like creating a responsibility of the enthusiasm has to carry over. Yeah, and then I don't, 
did not mean to misspeak. I think the enthusiasm that we saw, we've seen pretty consistently has been up there. Uh, I think it's been more than past springs. I, I think it's clearly yeah. there that this team is rejuvenated. I'm just saying not every practice is crazy, out of control. Like run, like the first two days were crazy. They were just flying yeah. around. It's tapered off some, but but it's still been impressive. And like you said, I think that's a consistent theme. You mentioned uh, the draft on Saturday for, for folks that maybe didn't see it or read about it. Pretty cool. I mean, I, they've yeah. done player dra- drafts in the past, but this one's more public publicized. It was basically... Uh, having guys kind of divvy up, you know, players for the spring game, the spring game roster, Team Garner versus Team Gold, I think, right? Um, yeah, and they they got after. It. I mean, they there's some Snapchat stuff like that that came out from it. And guys were enjoying the heck out of it. Mm-hmm. They kind of, you know, they put the onus on the players to make some of those decisions. And I think in some ways, it's players saying, "Hey, you had a great spring. We want you on our squad." Or, "Hey, you're a necessity because that position lacks great depth." So it kind of, you know, it drives home some points without directly saying certain things. Mm-hmm. I remember there's one thing that when Jimbo was here, he would always say is, "Is you know, players can tell yeah. who mm-hmm. another player is." You want to know the, how good he is? Go ask his team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and that's kind of that reminded me of, of that. Yeah. that. That was what I was doing on my Saturday night was uh, <laughs> following a draft. Was on following Twitter. a draft on Twitter. <laughs> if it makes you be, feel better, I was sitting up here at FSU <laughs> writing a recruiting update on a kid that just left, watching the players leave and kind of joke about the draft. So, so, so this is worth mentioning to our audience. If you ever see a just grumpy-looking guy sitting out on the bench outside by the Bob Bowden statue. It's probably me. And go give him a hug because he probably needs one. When I die, they should name the bench after me. <laughs> uh, stocking recruits and sitting on benches. That's yeah. uh, that's going to be your autobiography, uh, the, the Christine story. So back to spring. Uh, one other thing that I uh, – a consistent thing that I want to get to before we get started into more specifics is the physicality. And I think this kind of fits into the other things we talked about with the enthusiasm and, and uh, energy at practice – you mentioned they're doing Oklahoma drills consistently, or they're calling them null drills, which is like a layered, uh, you know, like a like a three tiered Oklahoma drill, basically. Physicality is being preached, and the individual drills that were there too, or that we're seeing as well, like like they're not laying off contact, and if they're not hitting each other, they're going into to blocking dummies. Like that's clearly something that this staff is putting a priority on, and I and I just get this overwhelming feeling, Chris, is that we're going to see that transcend or translate over. Um, be kind of a transcendent theme in the season. I think if you watched last year's team and many of the guys that are returning on this team from that group, you saw a bunch that was not physical as far as on the offensive side of the ball enforcing their will. And defensively, you saw a team that wasn't a great tackling team and certainly was not a physical tackling team that swarmed to the ball. It's clearly something they want in their bunch. They mm-hmm. want them to be, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you better swarm to the damn ball. If yeah. you don't, Harlan Barnett's going to be chasing after you, and so is everybody else on that staff. Harlan Barnett swarms to the ball himself. Like we've yes, seen he that, does. like he'll he'll run to it to show you how in, you're. In supposed many to ways, do it. the coaches embody what they want their players to do. They, Always. I mean, that's that's I, at I, this I, level, it's reflective. I had a recruit. I forget which one, but it was in the recent days. I believe it was one of the young men that was either here on Friday or Saturday, and he stated something along the point lines of uh, psychologically, Willie Tager looks like a guy that's going to put the pads on with you. <laughs> I think in many ways coaches all kind of coach in that fashion mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of show by example Did, uh, every single one of them played college football correct every single uh, uh, coach I, I think i think so. that's correct i haven't thought about that i'm not sure on mark snyder i don't know a great deal about mark's background he looked, like, he looked like an athlete we saw him walking around campus today <laughs> breaking a sweat yeah um, <laughs> i'm not 100 percent sure on that they all okay. played but They've all either been part did. of the game for a long time, mm-hmm. or yes, they did play. I yeah. mean, a vast majority of them definitely did play college mm-hmm. ball. A couple of them played at Florida State. I don't know if you guys heard that or not. But, um, yeah, this this is a 
hands-on coaching staff. Chris and I have talked about that and written about that before. I think that's ultimately something that's going to be beneficial. Uh, obviously, time will tell. But so, so those are the general kind of things that we've noticed this spring. Like Chris said, uh, there, there is a lot of uh, fine-tuning that needs to be done. Uh, you can tell within the coaching, you know, they, these, these guys try not to dwell on it, but a lot of mechanical stuff, uh, a lot of technique things that they just they're trying to teach them different ways. And this is the learning experience or learning curve, I guess, that you're kind of seeing. Uh, I mean, we see that quarterback, just just how to release the football is something that, that they're trying to learn in, within this offense because you're trying to get rid of the ball quicker. Offense line, the placement, because the scheme's different. You know, where you're trying to attack on a block when someone's moving. It's all stuff that we're kind of seeing in, in the little, you know, 15, 20-minute windows that the media gets is, is there is a lot of, you know, tweaking and, and tuning what and going on. Uh, but generally speaking, I think it's a lot of macro, too. It's a lot of big picture and, and themes that they're trying to get across to these guys, how they want them to, to – execute every single day uh, yeah, tempo I, physicality whatever i don't think they're living any kind of false pretense that they're going to exit spring as a really really good football team yeah like i just don't i don't think anybody believes that i think they believe they need to be on the road to being a good team that fully understands what they have to do to be a good team i think that's the more important thing mm-hmm. is having a clear understanding of how they're they're going to accomplish their ultimate goals not necessarily being close to accomplishing them. and I, I think that's been the not even a hidden message. It's been kind of sprinkled in whenever we talked to Willie Taggart this spring. Back to when we had the pre-spring press conference with him, I think he alluded to wanting to find an identity, to at least have a springboard, something to build on. That you say, okay, this is what we do well. Let's build on it. Let's grow on it. Uh, and now we'll focus, and I'll use that to kind of get us into the scrimmage a little bit from, from this past Saturday. Uh, there's things they know that they don't do well, and there's things that's hard for them to evaluate. Uh, yeah. And let's start and with the offensive line being probably under both of those categories. Yeah. Too many guys are banged up to properly evaluate. Let's, let's what go you down may the list for them have. if you can, Chris. Bavion Johnson, Alec Everly, Jawan Williams, Cole Minshew. I'm forgetting. Abdul Bello did not Abdul practice Bello. today. That we were from when at least we were there yeah, on so Monday. With those in mind, you're missing your top two centers. You're currently starting Corey Martinez and Brady Scott at center. That's a fifth that year. Led, that's that, a fifth year senior and a redshirt freshman. Yeah. And that led to bad snaps, bad issues during the, the scrimmage. scrimmage yeah. Which, when you have bad snaps, it's going to throw off any ability to establish a rhythm with an offense. Think about what it does for the quarterback. You don't know when that bad snap is coming, and yeah. it's happened. We saw it some when we had the full practices earlier on, and it doesn't sound like that's something that's been um, that's been fixed. And you have Mike Arnold, who is almost certainly a guard, and in body he is 100% a guard, playing a healthy amount of tackle right now because you just don't have enough options. Yeah. I mean, as a whole, the offensive line is a major blemish, and it's going to hinder what your offense can do as a whole especially in an 11-on-11 11 11 scrimmage setting. Mm-hmm. You're just going to be limited. Um, can they be better? Certainly. If they get some of those healthy bodies back, their two deep will be drastically improved, at least as far as capable bodies. But that's a group that even with all those guys back, I'm not convinced is going to be a strength of this team. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to play around the deficiencies of what that group presents. Yeah, no, I think that's – so as we try to kind of formulate what the offense is going to look like, that's ground zero. I yeah. think that that's that's they need that offensive line to be competent, and right now there's just no way of telling what it's going to be. I do have the gut feeling that it's going to have some issues this year, though, regardless of, of how healthy it is. I I'm legitimately not sure who the heck their tackle. I think can that's be. why I'm having a hard time projecting it to be a really like, good unit. Obviously, Josh know. Ball probably should be one. From a build standpoint, he's a tackle. From everything we've seen, he's almost been exclusively right tackle when we're there yeah. watching him. And I think that one makes more sense with what his body type is kind of becoming, uh, to be more that traditional uh, run-blocking uh, tackle rather than the, the more bookend uh, 
pass blocking type on, on the left side. But we've seen Arnold at left. It hasn't worked well. Derek Kelly is capable there, but he's certainly a better guy at guard. Yeah. But with Minshew and Dickerson at your disposal, maybe you bump Kelly outside and you become your other tackle. Johnson too. Bavion can be yeah. a guard. I I don't know for a fact. I haven't inquired upon this. I wonder if they've looked at Dickerson at all as a tackle. Obviously, he's very good at guard. That is his strength. That's the position you should play. But Landon has a clear understanding of what they want the offensive line mm-hmm. to do. And he's moved. Well, he he's moved at least again. I, I could preface this with, with, with the context that we have on what we've heard, but what we've seen, I think, is just as important. He's been at right guard. Yeah. To me, I think if you want someone to be your left tackle, having that left guard and then kicking them over one makes sense because you have a little bit more familiarity with what that position's doing. Yeah. And in that sense, Derek Kelly has been the left guard consistently. And someone who's played tackle, to, to go off your point previously, I think he may be the guy. I think Dickerson's been at right guard. Uh, that's more of a transition to, to than playing that premium, premium position outside. But they're, they're in a predicament with yeah. their offensive tackle situation. I, it will be interesting to see if they potentially look at the transfer market in the summer and see if they can kind of get a ready-made graduate transfer to at least steal some snaps and give yeah. them something more valuable and they're too deep. Because they're just not very good at the position. We saw last year different coaches and different scheme, but but Josh Ball forced kind of into that starting left yeah. tackle spot when some injuries kind of popped up. And I, I don't have the number right in front of me. I think the Pro Football Focus uh, individual grade. I think he was the lowest on the offense. And you need eight or so guys up front that you can rely upon at any given time because you're not going to survive with just five. Especially with this tempo and the amount of snaps that that maybe you know they, they may be having. Yeah. And, and that kind of, that group, there's a lot of things. They got to get stronger. Mm-hmm. They got to get in better shape. Mm-hmm. They got to get healthy without a shadow of a doubt. There's just a lot of issues with the O line. We knew that walking into the spring, and it's lived up to that in every which way. But from everything I was told by people that were able to watch Saturday scrimmage, they got their asses handed to them. To put it just direct, they had snapping issues. Brian Burns lived in the backfield. They struggled mightily. They they the offense failed to really ever get going because of how much the offensive line struggled. And I had kind of heard the same thing about the 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 segmented or the uh, situational scrimmage on uh, two weekends ago. Same thing, offensive uh, line struggled. But that, that's one that's kind of to be expected. Yeah, and to watch, an watching Willie Taggart and Greg Fry today, so, yeah. Monday at practice, they get it. They understand that group has a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you can watch Greg work with that group and tell that he knows. He's trying to make something out of not a whole lot of things. Like, he's he's got a lot of work in front of him. And Willie's over there giving it a little bit extra focus. He's involved in coaching that position at times. Mm-hmm. It's clear that it's a concern. It, it, nobody's living with kind of the lie that that group's just going to magically get better. Mm-hmm. But they're going to try to make something out of it. Yeah. And I do think it's fair to – like, there are pieces to work with there. Uh, but when those pieces aren't – Available, and it's awfully tough. It's a steep fall very quickly. It is. And remember, this that, is that, a, that's kind of an overriding theme with some positions on this mm-hmm. team, though. That they do have very good starting ability, mm-hmm. but the depth is kind of razor thin at some spots. I was talking to someone uh, on background about that uh, that is responsible for kind of evaluating the, the roster, and they had said that is like, uh, listen, Jimbo Fisher left us with a hell of a roster. We have yeah. a lot of talent. Um, but there's a handful of positions where the depth isn't really great, and and that's every outside of Alabama probably that's every roster in America. You have you know for a top blue blood type of program, you have those strengths, you have those weaknesses. 
Uh, but there's no illusions, you know, that one, I mean, they have talent, but two, that there are some, some drop-offs at, at key positions. And reinforcements that are coming in May and June with the newcomers are going to be important. Receivers a position that's going to yeah. benefit greatly from that, just from having a deeper rotation. Mm-hmm. I don't think O-line's a position that's going to benefit greatly from that. Jalen Goss is a talented kid, but I don't think he that's can make much of an impact day one. Yeah. So, you know, you're you're still going to be in a predicament Christian at some Meadows, spots. Maybe. Yeah, but he's a guard. They need tackle. You need out. tackle, yeah. And that's uh, – we're not going to get too much into recruiting f- to this podcast – or for this podcast, folks, but that's something I think is going to be a huge emphasis in this class. Um, can you get a blue-chip yeah. offensive tackle to come in and, and push for playing time right away? I don't know. Um, all right, we're being, we're being a little negative. Is this because someone questioned the media's uh, no, I, I credibility think, I don't today? think we're being negative. I think the O-line, if you talk to anybody that's been able to watch practices, be involved with practices, the biggest issue with this football team yeah. is the O-line. Mm-hmm. That's a clear-cut thing. There's a lot of positives Yeah. to dive into some of those. Blackman's been fairly good from what I've been told. He's been up and down at times, but he's clearly emerged as the guy who's the best yep. at that position I right think we, uh, Some yeah. of that is Hawkman's dealing with a foot injury. It slowed him. Today he literally did nothing. Yeah. Francois is obviously coming off the injury. Yeah. Quarterback position's not great, but they've got something to work with with Blackman. Mm-hmm. Running back group, I think so. Quandre White's being taught some tough love right now. That's why we're not seeing him on the practice field. This has we'll been two practices in a row that we have not seen him. Yeah, I heard he kind of got, uh, to put short, kind of the boot on Friday, and we'll see how he comes back from that. Das Boot. That, you know, a lesson needed to be taught, and he was one that it was taught to, and mm-hmm. it was taught in front of many. Um, Not a stellar offseason for him, so I guess mm-hmm. kind of someone that – And that's uh, a position where you can teach a kid a lesson because yeah. you have enough depth and talent. Cam yep. Akers hasn't done much in the last few days, but it doesn't seem to be anything major. I don't think they're worried about that. Um, we'll see if he plays Saturday. Razul has had moments. LeBourne has had a much better back half of the spring than the first half. I yes. felt like the first half there were times where he looked a little – I don't want to use the word lost, but he looked like he was not sure where to line up. He got lost a little, sl- a little slow to do things that time. Yeah. He looks much more efficient in the periods we've been able to view here in recent days. And that's a guy you're excited. We're, you were excited yeah. about coming into the spring. And I think yeah. he's excited. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's something to enthusiasm taking over for some of these guys and driving the bus mm-hmm. for him. DJ Matthews is a guy like that. That was clear day one of spring that DJ Matthews was ready to have a hell of a lot of fun in mm-hmm. this offense. It's made for him to have fun. Mm-hmm. Receiver, there's no depth. I mean, you know, it's the four guys basically right now. Terry's had a very good spring. Wilson's been a nice move over there. It's been very natural by all counts. We've heard um, like four people say natural. Yeah. I mean, oh, somebody that watched him Saturday said, man, he's just natural. Natural, natural, natural. Talk to his high school Ca- coach, catches natural. Catches it cleanly, yep. runs down the field cleanly. Yep. Um, but still, this is a, a – while natural, and he, he does. He, when we've seen him play, seen him play and take significant reps there, like he looks – pretty smooth but it's still it's just, he's been playing the position full time for I've been told weeks that Tamorian's been more consistent than Keith but Keith's had some really good moments mm-hmm. but Keith's always kind of struggled with consistency yeah I think that's the ultimate hurdle he still has to get over uh tight end slash h back. I think that know, may be I, the I strength feel, of the offense I feel offense real good about McKinney I feel real back. good about Upshur and I feel real good about Neighbors yep. I think all three of those guys can do stuff. So there's a lot of positives on offense. Mm-hmm. But your offense goes as your offensive line goes in some ways. Correct. Even if you're going to call fast play calls and work around and do some stuff in space that you can get done quickly so the O-line doesn't have to sustain blocks, at the end of the day, there's going to be a point in a football game almost every given Saturday where you need your O-line to win. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that group they currently have is capable of doing that for yeah. them consistently. And, and it's just, again, to, to kind of – Hit this one more time before we move on. It's just so tough to evaluate it because we don't we don't know the, the guys that Chris mentioned. I mean, Alec Everly is the starting center, and if he's not the starting center, then it's Bavion Johnson. Neither of those guys are going. I, my guess was that they're going to have ideally 
uh, Eberle at center as a you know, as a fifth year senior and a guy who you kind of know what you're going to get, steady, dependable. I know a lot of people listen to podcasts, roll in their eyes, listen like metrics say, and from what we've watched, he's fine. We're not saying he's great. We're saying he's the best I got. Yep, yep. But he, he you could do much worse than him. Yep. Um, and as evidenced by what's he can <laughs> happening this spring, fairly consistently get a snap off, which his, is his issue is when he gets pushed back, it looks really, really bad. His yep. his lows are, are low. Um, but anyways, I think you do worse than him. Point being, you haven't had him all spring. That sucks. That's not good. Uh, Bavion Johnson, same knee that was bothering him last year and costing him to miss all season. Seems like that's the same knee that's bothering him now. We don't have an official diagnosis on it other than it's that same knee. We haven't seen him practice a whole lot. Uh, I think it was the first practice or two this spring, and that's it. Uh, and then, obviously, Cole Minshew looks like it's a lower body, uh, leg kind of deal, and uh, he's dealt with some ankle injuries in the past too. He's a guy who looked a lot better shape yeah. uh, this this spring coming into it. Lost a lot of weight around the midsection. Unfortunate for him because he's a guy that, man, when, when he's when he's uh, healthy and in shape, I think he'd be an impact player, at least in the run game. Uh, he gives you that nice, strong interior yeah. with Landon. You know, him and somebody yeah. else, him and Landon shouldered with center mm-hmm. kind of gives you that we can push from the middle. Which is big in this in this offense, and he had lost weight because there's going to be a lot more, I think, pulling and, and trapping and stuff like that. Um, but so you have so you have your interior of your line, which is supposed to be your strength weakened right now. If there were illusions of trying to test Derek Kelly out at left tackle, I just don't know if you can do it. Like I just don't know if they have the ability to do that right yeah. now. Or Landon Juwan, Dickerson. Juwan Williams is a guy that is in that developmental stretch of his college career, but mm-hmm. he's not on the field able to practice. And the thing, and so these guys that we're mentioning are practice. all multiple injury guys too. Juwan yeah. Williams had the shoulder injury last year, and he's missed plenty of time this spring. Baby on Johnson, knee injury last year. Cole Minshew's had on and off injuries, concussion, ankle. Um, he's missed time this spring, and Alec Everly's had a lot of like hip issues too. I mean. It just and they've lost as much as it was a position that had a lot of depth uh, going into the off season. They've lost some some guys on the back end there to um, whatever reason. I mean, Boselli no longer with the team. Uh, who else? Who else am I missing? Uh, Rubel left. David before. Robbins because of concussions. Yeah. Brock Rubel decided to transfer. Did he end up transferring? I somewhere Toledo. in the MAC. Somewhere I want to say Mac. Toledo. Okay. I, don't, yeah. I don't worry about him. Not a Florida State not anymore. My concern. Uh, um, who's the kid from Mississippi I'm blanking on? Oh, Ethan Frith decided to quit the team, yeah. Dur- during um, a conditioning drill. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but beyond the O-line, which we've established, obviously, is here, a here on, here on O-line podcasts. Who, who on offense do you feel like has proven that he's become a go-to guy or a guy that has taken a big leap forward? All right, so consistently I've heard this. Uh, this is how I try to judge it. Chris, and for people listening, is because I can't see it for myself all the time. When I hear the same thing from multiple people about the same guy, you start believing. I start kind of, yeah. And that doesn't mean it to be so, like, a, but that's just, I've heard Trey McKitty. Yep. I've heard Gabe Neighbors. Yep. Uh, to a lesser extent, he's not obviously, he doesn't have McKitty's uh, athleticism. I and mean, Trey McKitty makes some crazy plays, apparently. Um, Neighbors been more consistent. And you mentioned him earlier, too. I like Pops. And is your upshare? I, I, everything to every time that's more me from what I've seen. Every time we we've seen him, he's doing something impressive. Either it's blocking in the Oklahoma drills, he has good hands. Like he he looks good, man. I'd contend that to me, Pop is the biggest surprise of the spring, because I truthfully had kind of dismissed him on this roster. I thought because his greatest asset to me prior to this year was his ability to block. He can put guys on their ass. He's mm-hmm. excellent at it. And this offense isn't really asking that position to do that near as much as a pro-style base one like they mm-hmm. had previously. So I thought it was going to kind of work them out, and Trey being a more athletic down the field type was going to kind of 
take it and run with it. Pop's been good. He's yep. caught it really well in the spring. He looks like a guy that's having fun. Again, there's a certain level of energy with the kid and enthusiasm, and I think mm-hmm. some of that is finding success on the practice field. And I think that tight end position, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of great coaching going on late last year. I think that's one of the positions where the, the transition – it was disheartening. I'll put it that way, and, and leave it at that. But I think the guys have have enjoyed a fresh set, at, a fresh start at that position, and it's not a surprise that you've seen, you know, about like a, a few names kind of pop up there because pops up there. Get it? Get it? No. This is why people hate you on Twitter <laughs> and in real life. <laughs> um, going down the rest of the offense. So you mentioned the wide receivers. Uh, it's thin. It's a thin group. But I think, man. Tamarian Terry is a guy that whenever we watch him, he does something special, and it's consistently. Now, the thing that I've heard, and I did a story on him this past week, uh, I talked to his high school coach, uh, and obviously it's been someone I just ask players about. The one thing that kind of keeps coming up when, when you ask about Tamarian is, is I'll paraphrase here, but people say it's like when he's confident or when he and gets so it. It has to be reinforced a couple of times. He's not a guy that it's said once and he yeah, takes and, two and ben, more than often. Exactly. And when Ben Simmons, as his high school coach, said like once he knows what he's supposed to do, once he gets it and grasps the concept, he's fine. He's still athletic, but it takes a little while for him to get that. Yeah. Uh, and that may be a reason why we didn't see him play a whole lot last year. Now, I do think you could make the case that just let that guy run a nine pattern <laughs> and just let him fly down the field and, and throw him the ball. But – yeah, I like what I've seen from him when we do the, you know, see the Oklahoma drills. He's a gritty blocker, obviously really, really freakishly talented. I think he has a chance to be a really complete wide receiver. That's something that we haven't seen a whole lot of uh, the last, I don't know, when was the last time you saw a guy who was just really good at everything? Rashad Green, and he wasn't a super physical guy, but he was good at a lot of different things. I think that's the last yeah, time we've seen it. he ranked up stats like it's so. Yep, yep, exactly. I know that, but you know, Tamarian Terry has the body and then the skill set to be, to be special if he can get there. Pokey, Ontario Wilson, I think, is a guy that, if we're talking about surprises, he moved over to the offensive side of the ball, and you know, we mentioned natural. Keep hearing that. Uh, trying to think who else who else on And you got on DJ offensive. and Keith are your other main two receivers yeah. with George being out. Yeah. I mean, offensively, I feel like, you know, that is what it is. Like, there, there's plenty of skill on that offense. There's plenty of big play capability, which is what they want to be. Mm-hmm. The issue is I don't know how good they're going to be at grinding things out. Yeah, yeah. And that comes back again. To the O-line. To the O-line. Yeah, and they're going to be able to. We'll see. Again, it's kind of been a mash unit, uh, you know, more or less, this this spring. Not just up front, but but other positions, too. You know, Jacquez Patrick missed a little bit of time. Cam Akers has missed a little bit of time. Quarterback now you're talking about, you have one healthy scholarship quarterback at this time. Uh, you know, Bailey Hockman had the stress fracture in his foot. Uh, I've been led to believe that he won't miss significant time, but it looked like he was pretty limited today from when we were out there. Uh, and obviously, DeAndre Francois is not 100%, not close to it at this point. I think he would – he said that on record. So trying to find identity on offense, it's tough. I think they're going to be able to get some you – know, with their tight ends, I think that's going to help them. Uh, I think they'll be able to manufacture some yards that way. I think they'll be able to be a big play offense. We saw that last year. I think that still remains to be seen uh, if that's something they can do consistently. But I do think they have the potential to hit you know, plays downfield, and that'll be a part of it. I think it's going to be a matter of consistency. Can they have that ground attack that Willie Taggart has become known for? He loves to run the football. He does it about 60% of the time. He, he emphasizes the run. Can he do it? I don't know. Um, but I think that's what they're trying to set up. It's just, man, it's been tough. And to uh, quickly turn the page and move on to the next, this team's going as far as that defense is going to take it. Yep. Um, 
Which isn't like that's the first year I think in most coaching. Like you yeah, in in the spring, a defense should be ahead of the offense. Mm-hmm. One, it's generally I think easier to execute on the defensive side of ball. Yeah, if things screw up on offense, everything goes bad. If things screw up on defense, you just hope they don't go where it screwed up. Mm-hmm. Um, but secondary, the starting group is phenomenal. The depth is not. That's another position where depth kind of gets a little. At cornerback, Becker being hurt. Yeah. You know, probably hurts him. I think he'd be used at corner personally. I think they'd like him as a press corner, especially because their safety talent is damn good. Yeah, I was going to say, the depth in the, at safety doesn't seem like it's going to be overly problematic. Depth at cornerback, right now they have three scholarship guys. It seems almost inevitable that they're going to have to rely on a true freshman at some point or another when those guys, excuse me, when they come in. Uh, it was Asante Sanders. Yeah, I was going to say, Asante's built to come in. He, oh, I was going to say, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That but, dude's ready to come in and compete. He's yeah. a pit bull. But I speaking mean, of freshmen in the secondary that are ready to compete. Jaden Woodby. Woo! Yeah, would, would be like, impresses would every, be. every single time <laughs> we watch him, he impresses. And yep. everybody that you talk to associated with the team, Talks about him. I had someone from the program giving me shit about uh, the four star ranking at twenty four seven games. I don't do those rankings, yeah, but, they were, but they were like, "No, man, like that's a five star." Nobody associated directly with the podcast does rankings. <laughs> to make that abundantly clear, yeah, I don't, now, I don't would, even have a crystal be, ball. Woodby's got it, man. He he just he's natural, and man, that kid's always around this program. Yep. I, I've lived outside the moor a lot in the last <laughs> month. The Chris Nee Memorial Bench. <laughs> he is always around here. Yeah, he comes back over. Throughout the day, more so than any other player on the current roster. I mean, that recruitment was so crazy. I think uh, our buddy he never w- visited. Wayne McGahey did a story where he talked to some like old recruit nicks and stuff that said like that was the, the most for a kid of that caliber to get that quick of a jump on it was one of the craziest. He things He never ever. visited till after the offer came, and he was pretty much done to FSU. Yep. I mean, it, it, he was a kid that literally the offer and the history of the program in that position was all he needed, but, and a coach should believe in him. Yep. I think Willie and the staff, that staff at that time, which was very bare bones, mm-hmm. Willie, David, not a whole lot of other guys, being kind of all in on him when they decided to go green light mm-hmm. on him, he bought into it. And he's returned that favor. I was going to say, he, he, he practices like someone who loves FSU. Yep. Maybe that's happy to be here. Did you guys like that at home? Was that was that music to your ears? I mean, like he's he's been impressive every single time. Um, so other safeties, we've heard really good things about Cyrus Fagan, right? We've heard that pretty consistently at this point. Uh, yeah, that, that Cyrus he, has had a good he, spring. He looks good. Nas uh, has been we know, outstanding. We know what Nas is. And A.J. Westbrook's um, like, you know, like if that's the worst you have in your four safeties, you can live with that. I like A.J. I think he's a solid safety. He's been he's been a little dinged up this spring. Um, but that's your four right now. That's damn good. That's yeah. damn good uh, if those guys keep taking, you know, to keep making steps. Right now they look really good. And then the cornerbacks. Uh, Chris, I think last podcast you forced me to say Stanford Samuels III will be a first-round pick. I'm not sure. I did not force you to say that, but I don't think it's far off either. I can see the path to him going to be there. His footwork is so awesome. He's so physical. He plays the ball well. How early did he go in that draft? I don't know. I didn't. I, I'm not Wayne McGahey. I didn't break down the draft pick by pick. <laughs> someone else, I can't remember who someone else pointed out to me. He's like, man, they must love him. He went really early, earlier he, than Levante Taylor. He's, he's uniquely well-built, mm-hmm. super athletic, understands the game of football, plays at a high IQ level on the field. Mm-hmm. He checks all the boxes. He's he's a phenomenal corner. Checks all the boxes. What is his NFL draft time of year? <laughs> <No>. Douche. <laughs> I'm just getting my McShay on. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, let's move up to linebacker then. That's been an interesting position. Um, to, to Kalen Brooks is the defensive surprise of the spring. When he, Like Pop is on offense when you say that's a fair statement. I was going to do a list later talking about the surprises of the spring, and you keep I mean, wanting to talk about it now. So, but well, yes, I, I have him as my. I'm sorry, I'm all about the moment. But he's been excellent. 
He's consistently run with the first team. He fits what they're trying to do at that position. He plays with a permanent chip on his shoulder, mm-hmm. and he just gets after it. He, he's They're looking for guys who can be consistent, who kind of bring it every single time out, and he has been that. I talked to uh, I talked to his dad, in case you guys don't know, it's Derek Brooks. Um, talked to him for a different story I'm doing yesterday, but I, was, well, I had him. I was like, hey, I want to ask you about DeKalen real quick. And I know it's kind of a weird – not a weird dynamic, but, like, DeKalen doesn't want to be in dad's shadow, but yeah. he also has not ran from it too, and that's kind of what maybe the story is going to be about. I don't know. The cool thing about Derek with his son is that he is completely dad with his son. Yeah, and that's like, what he, he doesn't go former Hall of Fame football player or a guy that knows a lot about the game. He treats him as his son. Like, he – He's a fan in the sense of it being his son. Mm-hmm. He also obviously watches him and thinks about those kind of intricacies mm-hmm. of the position. But it, I've always been impressed, I guess, yeah. is the best way of putting it. A lot of guys, I feel like, kind of live through their kids. And now Derek, Derek's nope. just a fan of his kid. When he was here at practice, was it last week? Yes. He wasn't watching the linebackers at all, which I thought was yeah. interesting. I'm sure there was time. And listen, that's like, again... I don't know if I have I said this podcast. It's like a fifteen or twenty minute viewing window that we get. Have I said hey, that like five times? It's yet? been worse. I'm not we complaining. Truly, we lived just, through worse. Remember um, last year? Yes, we got kicked away. But Uh-oh. Brooks has been a guy that's taken a big leap forward, and so has Dontavious Jackson. Dontavious mm-hmm. reshaping his body and his attitude. You saw Dontavious and didn't know it was Dontavious. Yeah, right? <laughs> he walked out in a moor, and yeah. it, I did a double take because I mean he used to be kind of you know pudgy in the middle. To put it simple, <laughs> I'm a fat man. I'm not judging anybody else for the weight they're carrying on their frame. But didn't ESPN he, he had a bit of a pudginess in the middle, and it's gone. Didn't ESPN say when? I, cause I never heard. I've seen it on Twitter. Didn't ESPN say like he's going to move to defensive tackle when he was uh, there when he was committed there. <laughs> I try not to pay attention to ESPN. Okay, but uh, um, but he, he did. I mean, he's reshaped the body. The he looks so much more fluid out there, so much more yep. comfortable. And he's a kid that attitude wise, it's through the roof. He is he is entirely different than he was at the end of last year. As much as the uh, yeah, I alluded to the tight. I didn't even allude. I said the tight ends have done oh, well the, with the new the, coaching staff. Yeah. The the other side of that spectrum, or not on the spectrum, just the other side of that on the other side of the ball, the, the linebackers like that 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 unit. We talked to Josh uh, Josh Brown a little bit about it today. He didn't come right out and like he wasn't throwing Bill Miller under the bus, and I wanted to be that. Uh, he did say the scheme and the coach he loves. He loves Coach Woody. Uh, the difference that he has approaching the game with the new staff is evident, and I think we've seen that with all the other guys at, at linebacker too. When when this change happened, I, I think that was maybe the thing that we were most excited about. With any any position that was going to benefit from a new a new staff was going to be linebacker. Just the upgrade it's gotten there. Yeah, and and. The, not that Raymond Woody is the best linebacker coach. I don't know how to judge Raymond Woody. I just know he's a competent linebacker coach yeah. at the very least. He's good at what he does. He knows what he's doing. Uh, and those guys at practice move so much more fluidly. I don't know why my arms are out really, really far right now as I'm explaining myself. I'm not going to give you a hug. I'm very impressed by how Woody and Burnett work together too. There's, they like each there's other. There's many times where yeah. you're watching them and you're watching the back half of the defense work as a unit. And they're just it's, – it's a natural grace. Snyder and Hagen's work well together, too. Mm-hmm. That's something else I've observed many times this spring because a lot of times the defensive front will do some six-point together with all four of them across. Um, it's kind of so there's definitely moments of that. But the cohesiveness is impressive. And I'm not saying the last group wasn't cohesive on defense because I think there was portions that were not Brad Lawwing. Brad Lawwing's not cohesive with anybody in the history of man. Except for Demarcus Walker. Those two um, loved each other. But it's abundantly clear that, like, Woody and Barnett and defensive scheme and what they're asking those guys to do and what they're going to mm-hmm. do when they're together, working together in 11, 11 on, 
it clicks and it works and it translates to the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of interesting the way that defense is, uh, at least my understanding is, and I, and I want to keep trying to learn more about it, but that cover four press or whatever it's called with, with Coach Barnett, the safeties and the linebackers, like they interact together and then I think the cornerbacks do their own thing, but it's, it's basically nine men are, are responsible within a scheme and then the, the two outside guys, they're not freelancing, that's probably not the right way to describe it, but... Uh, the way the safeties and the linebackers have to interact with each other is pretty pretty important. Uh, so that's something that's interesting that you observe, Chris, is that, that the chemistry between those two coaches is it's noticeable, uh, and that's going to be important, I think, because those two positions are going to have to kind of play within each other's safety and, and linebacker. Um, I had a linebacker last year tell me flat out playing for Bill Miller was like the most boring experience of his life said that practices were tough because there was so much talk and not enough action. Yeah, you, I mean, and he's we like, saw you that. would just check out. He's yeah. like, you know, he didn't use these words, but he's a member of the ADHD generation that mm-hmm. can't stay tuned to something for a lengthy period of time, and that would happen in practices. With Woody, as it is with this entire group, it's go. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, we're going to get out there. We're going to teach. There's going to be plenty of teaching, and there's going to be teaching in position meetings too. But on the field, you're going to get reps. You're going to have action. Maybe no position uses more toys than linebackers. linebackers. Yeah. I mean, the Uh, DNs do, too. The DNs do a lot of stuff with the canopy, with the balls. Uh, They've done a little bit of the donuts. We should explain what the toys are before we say canopy and balls. Well, canopy is obviously working on getting low and exploding Mm -hmm. out. Uh, ball. It's basically like like uh, with the ball. What, there's what, a couple what, different things they'll do. They'll do what'll rub off the ball, essentially getting your legs kind of cut out and having to keep going. Why don't you or explain the actual toys? Getting your hands it's like a, on it, like a medicine, like a medicine going. ball kind of. Well, they uh, used to. They have the big green ball that quarterbacks have used, like more a workout often. ball kind yeah. of, like they would and sit and do ab crunches. on That's or about moving your feet while keeping your eyes downfield, kind mm-hmm. of you know having lower body movement. And then they have the bigger, thick medicine ball, which is more about rubbing off and keep going or getting your hands off and coming around and kind of, you know, propelling yourself off of the block. And I think that's the idea of essentially if you get a O-lineman going low on you, mm-hmm. getting your hands and coming around him. Yeah, it's using um, hands while playing with leverage and yeah, stuff they, too. Yeah, you've chimed in about that on previous pods about they do do a lot of stuff yeah. with, uh, you know, different toys and uh, setups out there, and it's pretty impressive. It's one donuts. of those things that would be really cool to do, but in the spring, they're not going to want to kind of go into that story. Mm-hmm. But it is pretty interesting how much they do where they try to kind of apply things that are uh, game worthy. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that's so linebacker, I think, you know, they lose three seniors, uh, but those three seniors' skill sets were not maximized. Um, no. And I don't know who it's going to be there for sure. I think Brooks, obviously, is one guy that's clearly become His backup's Amari Gaynor, though, so, you know. Amari's had a good spring, especially for a guy who it is literally his first spring of college ball. you got Leonard Warner, who's had a good spring. You've got Dontavious Jackson, who I think is probably a starter at this point. I think he's the most – I'm the safest saying he's going to be a starter come September, Mm -hmm. the linebackers right now. And then you have Josh Brown and Adonis Thomas, neither of whom I feel like has climbed the mountain to the top, but both are showing flashes. I would say Adonis has had a little more opportunity because Josh dealt with yeah. the knee injury that stole a couple practices mm-hmm. from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fair. And so we know a little bit about the scheme. Like, so you have that star linebacker. That's where DeKalen Brooks is. That's going to be more of a not a hybrid, but kind of guy who's a little bit more fluid, more in space. Uh, and then the other, and that's where Amari Gaynor is as well. And the other two linebacker positions, according to Willie, are, are more interchangeable with skill set. So uh, I do think Dontavious Jackson. And then I'm not sure who the other guy's going to be right now. Adonis Thomas has taken more reps from what we've seen. 
uh, of that unit, but but I'm not I'm not entirely sure. But I do think there's a chance that that group can be uh, better than last year, despite losing everyone, just based on what we alluded to with the coaches and uh, I think the scheme, and I think it's going to be a more athletic group too. So um, yeah, I agree with that. Going up front, you know, losing Marvin Wilson that hurts guys. That's not yeah. I'm not he was having a hell it. of a spring too. Yep, yep. He's a guy that was a leader for them, that was emerging as a really talented player. You could just tell Odell Higgins watches him. He loved him. Like he. Odell would get on everyone, and he would push Marv, but he wouldn't get on him a ton because there wasn't a whole lot of getting on that was needed. Um, but you have DeMarcus Christmas still, and there's a position that could absorb an injury to a starter. I think maybe defensive tackle uh, is, is probably probably the most well-equipped for it just because of the depth it has. Yeah. Uh, you have DeMarcus Christmas. You know you have Fred Jones, which if that's your worst-case scenario. You know you're getting a, a solid you know, Power 5 football player. He's not amazing. Durden and Parks are having their moments. Yeah. Um, inconsistent at times. Yeah, Jalen, when he – I had one play today in the Oklahoma drill, Jalen Parks, that he was able to shed someone. And just what you see when that guy is, is right uh, and engaged. And he, he's, he's a guy got, that Odell – Odell loves his guys. I mean, passionately loves mm-hmm. the guys he recruits. And Jalen and Corey are very much those type of guys. You can tell with Jalen there's some tough love going on with Odell. Mm-hmm. There's times where Odell will really individually ride his ass. He might talk to the entire group, mm-hmm. but the message is directly kind of pointed at Jalen. I think that's intentional. I think he understands that he's very talented, and if he can start breaking through, he's going to be a big part of the rotation. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be a starter this year unless they have some injuries, but he can steal a few reps every game that are going to help them be a better be better, be a better <laughs> defensive front. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the depth there is good. I do think Parks, you could see, like, yeah, when he's he, – he could be a really, really nice player, um, but he's got a ways to go. And I think he's lower on the depth chart based on – or, sorry, the organization, organizational chart. We're both struggling, and that means we should start wrapping it up. Uh, defensive Dave ends. Dave Chappelle would wrap it up button. Popping <laughs> in my head every time. Um, I'm Rick James. Brian Burns, uh, we've heard just – Crushing it. This is a uh, this is a bad year for him. Some of you know some of that is Beating the, the offensive those, line. Those tackles that aren't tackles. Yeah. yeah. But Burnsy, kind of like we talked about, Levante Taylor being in the contract year. Yeah. Burns definitely has that kind of mentality going on. Uh, we, and to Burns's credit, I think he's become a great leader. That's what I was going to say. Yep. Yep. And he's, he's not the most outspoken, loud dude. But man, he. He has been a very lead-by-example guy who also seems to have found his voice in many he's ways. He's on the front of every single drill. He's the first one in line, and that's not a requisite, but to me I think that's indicative of, of who he's turning into. Remember, he ended last year on a really, really high note. Uh, starting with that Clemson game, I think, when he turned it on, and it was all pretty much high. You know, It was all good stuff from there on out. I don't know what the deal was that first half of the year other than him kind of acclimating and being a full-time starter, but I think they at weak side defensive end, as long as he's healthy, they'll be fine there. Uh, the other side, I'm not sure what we're going to get. Yeah, I've heard good things about Wally Amy, but we keep seeing Janarius Robinson run with the first team when we're there. Uh, yeah, I think J-Rob, when, it, when he puts it all together, it's going to be special. I'm not sure if it's there yet. I, I don't know. Uh, when we watch the Oklahoma drills, I still haven't seen him just go up and just whip someone's ass yet, and I want to see that because when he can do that, um, that the physical – that total package of, of who he is physically can be special. Uh, but I think Wally Amy gives him nice depth there. We talked about that being a move that made a lot of sense, very sensible, um, I think, during the last podcast. Uh, but they have some pieces there at, at defensive end. I think once you get Joshua Kando back and guys that we keep getting people asking about the injury, I don't know specifically what it is. I've been told it's nothing to 
that significant. There's never been any kind of concerned voice to me about yeah. the injury. I think it's a matter of. I don't know if he had something cleaned up, and he's just. I mean, he had the hamstring last year that he was dealing with. Uh, I, I don't want. I don't want to. He walks out there every day. He's fine. There's he no goes limping. through all the rehab stuff. Yeah. There is literally nothing noticeable about the injury. Yeah, he just has one. Yep. And Willie's not going to get specific with it. Willie's kind of. Sometimes he will with injuries. Sometimes he won't. If it's an injury that's going to last a long time, he'll get specific. Yeah, with like it. Marvin Wilson, he came right Nyquan out and said Murray. that. Nyquan Murray came right out and said that. Bavion, I think he said his knee. Yeah, knee and I forget if he said done for spring or slowed. Yeah. I think slowed was yeah. the terminology. But yeah, if someone's going to be out an extended period of time, I just honestly I think Kando is whatever the injury is was going to be out for a couple weeks, and they said, well, you know what, <laughs> let's just not. And Talking about linebackers and DNs, I think one of the incoming guys in May, June, who's going to help them there is Xavier Peters. Xavier, Xavier Peters. He has some just natural ability that he can throw on the field. Well, they, I think of the guys they have coming in and of who they currently have, the need for that twitchy outside speed rusher, they only have one pure one of that right now in, in Brian Burns. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a need for, for him to come in and be that because after, then if, if they don't have that, then I'm not sure what, what happens if, say, like Brian Burns goes down or misses significant time. Uh, so, yeah, you need, there's a need for him. And, and plus, man, you know, that kind of athleticism and violence that he has, you could always get that on the field somehow. You, you could find a package for that and get it on. Tone setter. And I've been told that, that Harlan Barnett, you know, while that, that cover four press is, is his bread and butter, he'll get pretty creative and exotic with blitzes and stuff on third down packages. We're talking to people who played for him in the past. Uh, is he will get creative on third down. So you know, there's a role for someone like that. All right, that is uh, that is the rundown of the positions. Let's do five surprising guys this spring. I'm actually going to write a story on it. Can I give you, you, can you, I give you my, you my five? All right. Nazir Upshur. Na- yep. Na- Nazir? Na- pop. Pops. Just go pop. Pop, 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 pop. Uh, Ontario Wilson. I'm yep. going to put him on there because I think he's the guy who's actually going to do something. Uh, DeKalen Brooks. Yep. Uh, Jaden Woodby, I'm going to put on there. I heard good things about him, but he's exceeded expectations. I need one more. Those are four. I'd agree with all four of those. One more would be. <laughs> are you going down the like the roster in each uh, each spot? I mean, I, I knew Trey was good. He's been very good. McKitty, yeah. Um, I think the system benefits Trey a great deal too. Gabe, I'm going to go with Gabe Neighbors on that list, yeah. uh, isn't it? Because he had to transition to a new role and he's done so plus, pretty seamlessly. Plus, Gabe's always been the underdog. He was that last dude to get the offer type. Yep. Came to camp and earned it. Gabe just likes playing the game of football. It's good to have those type of mm-hmm. mentalities on your football squad. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that we're missing, but guys that that have kind of surprised us a little bit. Um, no, I, I, there's a lot of guys I expected a lot of mm-hmm. who have lived up to that in the spring, and there's some guys that are still trying to I meet mean, those. Based standards. on what we heard with with Fagan, uh, I think he's been a little bit more of a factor. I thought he would be more of a situational guy this year. They were happy last season. They were happy with Cyrus before he got banged up, though. The That's injury kind of stole things from him. And he last was year. a. Uh, he was a replacement level player as a true freshman. Yeah, uh, that's what the metric said. Was he, he was right there at what wasn't would be an average college football player as a true freshman. That's good. That means you're going to end your career as a good one, probably yeah. if you progress. So, uh, Dontavis Jackson, a pleasant surprise in the sense that he's gotten his body right. So five. I don't know. I think my five are pretty solid. I'm going to go with that when I write the story later tonight. Works for me. All right. All right. No complaints on my end. Mm. I, I, I think they. Uh, 
I think that's the good news, too. Is That's a nice mix. we got some young guys, mm-hmm. the would-bes of the world, some guys who are in the meat of their career, like Dontavious is kind of hitting. Mm-hmm. So it's good to see that. It's kind of like the message is translating to different levels. It's not just new blood that's buying in. There's some old blood that's also buying in. Okay, a couple of things real quick as we wrap this up. The areas that we're kind of going to – that we're likely going to leave the spring with still wondering. Offensive line, I think no that's been well documented. Yeah. Linebacker's uh, probably in that boat, but yeah, it, I don't but think it's a huge a, concern. Not in a bad way right now. Receivers are going to need the replenishment of talent. They need those newcomers to you come You need them in. to be good. Cornerback, you need a couple guys depth-wise to yep. push. Uh, I think we mentioned Xavier Peters. I think you need one more edge rusher. Yeah, edge kinda. guy. So, so there's going to be dependency on true freshmen this year. I don't think you're gonna have to lean heavily on it, but you're gonna need those guys to come in, and, and that's fine. That's that's healthy. That's normal. Uh, and I think that's Willie Taggart has said on record. He's like, my job is to recruit guys. They're gonna push. They're gonna um, need about a half dozen of the incoming recruits, including the guys that are already here, the three that are already here. Mm-hmm. They're gonna need about six of those guys to do something for them. Mm-hmm. And I think Woodby and Gainer are two guys that clearly will be among those six. Mm-hmm. Gainer's a depth guy. Would be potentially a starter. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's far fetched. You need a receiver most likely to come in and do something. You need a not a defensive player, probably a guy like Peters. And then hopefully you have one or two that surprises you. At quarterback, because uh, people always want to know about quarterback, I think we both we started off the spring saying that we think James Blackman is just well-suited for, for what they're looking for. What Willie Taggart wants in a quarterback, I think that's James Blackman. Yeah. Now the, the house money there that you're playing with is DeAndre Francois. If you get anything out of him as a leader, as a player, uh, with coming off the knee injury, I think that's that's just gravy. Uh, and, I, and I can't just shake this feeling, Chris, that like – He's going to be a factor come the fall. I don't know why. Like I just, I think. I, well, I, I don't want to say DeAndre's a renaissance man. That he's changed completely. But I think we've seen some maturation with you, DeAndre. You observed that when when he spoke to us the other day, based yeah. on his quotes and we, the way he was kind of how he's conducted himself in practice, the way he is around his teammates, and it's not just the guys that have kind of always been his mm-hmm. dudes. He's always been close to Patrick. He's always been close mm-hmm. to Murray. Him being comfortable around them mm-hmm. was the norm. Now he's kind of that way with more guys. Today, for example, we walked out with Pokey Wilson. Mm-hmm. They were shooting it. Um, I, I just think there's some – I think there was some tough love displayed by Willie. Oh, there was – cer- I mean, Willie no said doubt. that on record more or less. And I think he's taken to that. And I, I think mm-hmm. we've seen that. I think so Quandre White's a guy is in this very moment mm-hmm. going through that. Mm-hmm. You know, shape up or ship out. And mm-hmm. there's going to be some of that. And you need that. That's – the spring has been about kind of changing the culture, mm-hmm. in quotations, but it's also about kind of establishing what your future culture is going to be, and I think they've done a good job of that. Yeah, yeah, he said it. He's setting the tone. That's Willie Taggart setting a pretty clear tone for what the expectations are. And I talked to Charlie Ward last week. I'm just dropping all kinds of names during this name dropping son of a gun. Um, and I'm just I'm working hard, and I want people to know about. It. Is that wrong? No, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. But I was talking to Charlie Ward. Uh, it, but but he was one of the guys. I guess uh, there were about what four or five former players, coaches, Coach Bowden being one uh, that have come back and returned that, and have been at practice and talked to players. And that's something that Willie Taggart has emphasized. It's not that Jimbo Fisher didn't do that. I do think that's kind of an unfair narrative that Jimbo didn't. Uh, now certainly the the relationship with Bobby uh, and Deion Sanders is different. Um, but but Jimbo did it. This is just Taggart's making that a centerpiece of what yeah. he's trying to do, uh, and he's making sure that's that's known and he's emphasizing it. We've had Taggart mention it as well as assistant coaches. They want the guys at their position to idolize, to look up to the guys mm-hmm. who have done great things at those positions. Which is cool. Florida State has a pretty good track record of producing guys at every, every single, single position. position. Yep. Yeah. So that that that's done 
it's it's not just by chance. They're mm-hmm. not just welcoming guys to be nice and welcome guys. Mm-hmm. There's a reason they want P Dub in there because they want DJ Matthews to be P Dub. Yep. You know, there it's kind of a translation point that they want to come across. Mm-hmm. And I think it's working. Well, and so with that in mind, when, when I did talk to Charlie Ward, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he said that this was cool. This wasn't why I called him, but it was a really cool anecdote. I thought he said that 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 Coach Tagger is reminding him of Coach Bowden in the sense that he's setting a clear system of reward and punishment. Uh, and kind of with that reward fitting into that is there's Peter Warwick on the sideline. You want to know who this guy is? I'll flip on that Louisiana Tech uh, highlight and show you who he is. He was a first-round pick. He was a guy who was in the contention for Heisman Trophy. I mean, he, you know, that's who you can be. That's he your reward. It. Yep. That's something that he is that, that Coach Tagger has done is shown there's consequences for if you screw up, and we're seeing that with the tough love, but we're also seeing – you know, him showing the clear path to where I can help you get and where this, more importantly, program can help you get. And Coach Tagger understands that. It's cool, man. He's not running from what Florida State is. He's embracing it. He's not trying to carve out his own niche. He's not trying to use it as just a platform for him. He's using it as something to just help out the entire program. It's neat to see that approach. I think it's the right approach. It makes sense. It's refreshing. It's cool. Let's see what happens, you know, if they lose a game or two, if the fan base gets a little more rowdy. But I think that there's a lot of healthy development going on right now. They're going to lose a game or two. Yeah, folks, it's going to yeah, happen. It's going to happen. Oh, that just matters how. They're not going to go 12-0, 12-0, 12-0, every single year? Yeah. Well, I guess 14-0, 15-0, whatever. Sorry, sorry, I'm being a uh, – I'm, I'm, uh, I'm being a biased media member because apparently that's what the B is. So, no, so, just, you need so. a hug. It's almost over, buddy. Saturday. It's been fun. You know, on a personal note, I got a bachelor party in late April. So if I don't die from like liver failure for that, uh, we're gonna have a nice little off season. I'm getting married in July, uh, so there'll be a little less podcasting. But we'll do some stuff with recruiting. I think after the spring game because we're expecting that to be a pretty big one. Is there anything real quick, Chris? You want to get to with recruiting? I mean, I think it will be just a, good, a minute. I think it will be a good week. They've had a boatload of guys in here. They're hoping to have a few more come back for the spring game. Sam Howell potentially coming back for the spring game is big news. You land a, an elite quarterback, you can build an offense around it. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks are a magnet for good offensive talent to come play for. So, mm-hmm. you know, they've had three really good 2019 quarterbacks in here this spring. Mm-hmm. And all three came with multiple family members. Or, I'm sorry, Jaden Daniels just came with his mother. The other ones came with multiple family members. You land one of those. It kind of, it's a springboard for you to go recruit offensive talent. All of a sudden, getting an offensive tackle on the phone might be a little say, bit easier when, than it currently is. When was the last time they had a bell cow recruit at quarterback I mean, early? EJ was phenomenal at it. Mm-hmm. Um, Jameis obviously attracted guys, but he wasn't early. Yeah. Um, EJ sorry. was phenomenal. E, 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 EJ is – I know his career here had its up and down, but, man, his ability to recruit when he did it early on and his uh, – recruiting calendar he was unbelievable the way he would work phones the way he would get after guys the way he pitched FSU there was there was something to it it was unbelievable to watch and that was a point where FSU had to flip their roster Mm -hmm. and he was pivotal in helping that happen yeah um getting a guy at that position that can help share the message like they've had like they've Amari Gaynor was that but that's a linebacker it's not the same as a quarterback and a, a good quarterback has like a weird deal of respect with guys who have never met him. Yep. They just they, know. they've seen clips on Twitter, they've seen him at seven ons. They just know that dude can ball. That dude's good. Like I, I would not have an issue going to play with that guy. And and how based on the three quarterbacks that are they're in on right now, um 
from what I've watched and just the, going on the the huddle or whatnot, he's the the most. I balanced. like all, I like all three, but I if do I too, had to but pick it, only one, I would pick Hal. Yep. Uh, yes. To the point where if they only had to take one, or if they, like, taking Hal meant you were only taking one, I think that's worth it. Because I know if, they want a couple. If you're wondering if Walt Bell is a good coach, he was the first person to ever offer Sam Howell. So, mm-hmm. yeah, might know a thing or two about what he's doing. Before we go, you mentioned E.J. Manuel. Let's let's end on this note. We just came back from lunch. What would you say what was E.J. Manuel's quote? quote when Because when, we, we were coming into uh, to Doke, and we were watching uh, just how cool. Oh, how, I, how I, I thought it was E.J. I, I couldn't remember for sure, but I believe the first time E.J. came to FSU, he talked about – like coming up on a castle when he drove up on Doak about how immaculate it was. We were driving around Doak today, and I was like, I don't think I appreciate how impressive of a stadium it is because I'm around here every day for the last 20 years. I was driving, and all of a sudden there was a castle. But I, I, yeah, I had a kid cool. from Georgia make a comment like that to me last week, and it kind mm-hmm. of drove it home again. So Fun times at Florida State, guys. Uh, thanks for listening to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. This is Brendan Sinone with Chris Nee. Um, Give us a review on iTunes, preferably a good one. Like At least star. me. I don't care about Snow. It, it be nice to me. It, I have feelings. It doesn't work that way. But, yeah, thanks for joining us. All right, Chris is leaving right now, and I'm going to uh, hang up. Bye.